Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 
I've only known you about three years. But we've done so much together. The amount of yeah. memories we've created in that time, good and bad, yeah. is nutty. Well, let's start with the good. Okay. So I remember I first emailed you saying I have this idea about bringing the world's largest mental health lesson to Hackney. And at a time, no theatre would ever email me back. No mm. one was trying to open their doors, give me the space or utilise anything. I didn't know anything about corporate relationships or funding or arts council College or, 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 or like, nothing. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, bro, I've got this idea. I really want to educate young people in theatre because I think it's engaging. What do you think? He was like, cool, let's go. So this is the one you did at Hackney Empire? Yeah. Yeah, I was cool. there, I remember. Yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah, were there as well. Oh my God, met- yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I was actually there and I remember all of, all of yeah, that. Yeah, my m- uncle. My uncle suffers mental real. health and he... Yeah, you were your uncle was in the front yes, row. Yes, and he couldn't, his experience was incredible. Like, he honestly felt a part, a part of something bigger than he ever thought he was because of that. Wow. And even now we talk about it, we always ask how you are and how he just looked around and felt that he was accepted at that place. Wow. And there's more young people there than old people. Yeah, that was yeah. As it were. It was, a, it was an amazing moment in time. Definitely. And Maya Jamma was the host. Yes. Incredible. Jordan Stevens was there as well, yeah. whose podcast I'm taking over. <laughs> Jack was there. Yeah. Uh, Jada Caesar was there. It was yeah. on Good Morning Britain. It got yeah. great, great yeah. support from everybody. King's College was a massive yeah. part of and it. And Samaritans yeah. as well. Professor Tilwax. Shout out Tilwax. Yeah. But and to touch back on, on what you started this story with is that other theatres don't email you back. Mm. I guess this is something that we're going to talk about more. 100%. It's about, that's that's half the issue. Mm-hmm. It's because the landscape and sector looks so alike yeah. all the time that there's no stretch. This offer has become homogenous yeah. and the same. So actually we need to lead in terms of ensuring that all sorts of conversations are being had. So even yes. though you called me the wrong name when you first emailed me, which I think is just rude, <laughs> even though you did that, there was that sense that, okay, there's there's this guy here who's got this idea that could be incredible. Mm. What can we do with it? But also what I think is great about you though, some people take offense to the name being spelt wrong or called wrong. I did. And uh, yeah, but you he still- did, He would. most certainly did. <laughs> but, uh, everyone I introduced him to, I'm like, please don't get his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but furthermore, like that being said, you still saw the goodness in what he was mm. trying to sort of and move forward. Some people would yeah. take that thing, oh, you can't pay attention to namings. What else are you going to get wrong along the way? I do think, I do think that there's a certain element of truth in that though because for me that kind of fact checking and that understanding that people have different qualities mm-hmm. so if you're called David or Jack or something like that it's, it's more understandable particularly within the arts and culture landscape yeah. so my name has five letters in it Y-A-M-I-N mm-hmm. don't add any don't take any away mm. don't assume anything um, because I always double check that Similarly, I'm not going to hold it against somebody who just makes a mistake. But I do think that that's part of diversifying the landscape is yep. being more empathetic and sympathetic and understanding. Yep. Actually, I do need to check this and make sure that it's spelt right. Yep. And, yep. and the do attention all of to that. detail is yeah, so key. Yeah. And making sure that our community feels like a community. And also our community de- de- and our job demands attention to detail. Because yeah. when you're doing a show or writing something or film, TV, you need to make sure what you're putting in there, one, correlates with everything else and also mm-hmm. actually makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Because you're representing someone somewhere and if your attention to detail isn't there, you're going to miss something and then have the wrong message. 100%. You know? I think that's, that's so really true. key. Let, let's go back to that Guinness World Record attempt, yeah? Because Hackney Empire, I mean, I know it for Russell Brand. I know it for like some really key notable entertainers. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is such an historical venue. It's got so much culture and life. And <clears throat> when you when you got that email, how was that for you? And how di- where did your vision come from about seeing this mental health lesson come to life in your in your theatre? It just made sense because I don't believe in luck, but I definitely believe you make 
luck. You make yeah. your own luck. Yeah. You and so, yeah, and you create. And, and, and part of that was that the reason when you had this idea and you met Jermaine at your TED talk, right? Is that right? I met Jermaine a few times. I remember I heard him sing first. Okay. And I was like... Yeah, Jermaine. Shout out Jermaine Jackman. That when he sings... So <sighs> yeah. It's just another world. Do you know Jermaine? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. get transported yeah. into another world. But the reason that... Whenever you spoke to Jermaine about it, the reason that he would have thought of me quickly, I hope, is that I have a history of trying to enable that kind of work that is transformative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to change how people feel about themselves or their environment or their society or, or stretch them. So... For me, it was just standard. All right, cool. There's this guy who called Hussein. I had seen, I kind of yeah. did a little bit of research on you. You clearly knew yeah, what you were talking about. Yeah, of course, my shit's popping. My shit's popping. Let's be real. <laughs> let's be real now. <laughs> but yeah, so I Yami knew never, that you had Yami, this. Yami never, he, always, he always knocks me back. <laughs> Someone's got to. Trust me. But yeah, so I knew you had this thing and you had this ability and this drive and passion. And what you had spoken to me about was that all it needed was mm. some shape. Oh, to really? be able to make yes. it producible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Hackney Empire, and people make this mistake about theatre all the time, that it's this space that you can just walk into cold and have this mm. dream and it will just come to I life know. magically. Yeah. And I they, definitely thought that. Yeah, and, and you kind of disregard that. all the shape it takes, which is what you were mm-hmm. commenting about earlier, and all the people's brains that it takes to make these things a reality. Yes. So I knew that with a little bit of work with you... You could have structured that for him. And absolutely. Life, yeah. and, and make it work. And then, you know what? If it doesn't do what we want it to do, it's still worth doing. Yeah. Because the ambition of the project and what it wanted to achieve yeah. was important. Yeah. yeah. And the message you, was bigger than the actual function. Yeah. So it. if yeah. you do that with 1,300 people or 13 people, actually it doesn't matter. Yeah. As a first step, let's just make this mark. Yes. Let's plant a flag in the ground and, and just keep yeah. the ball rolling from there, which is... Basically, what we've been trying to do for the last yeah, few 100%. years. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, brilliant. And um, just sticking on the concept of diversity for now, Hackney Empire is one of the most diverse theatres, I believe, in London. Mm-hmm. How do you think Hackney did that? It's been doing it. Empire is a hundred and twenty years old next year, and it was built in nineteen oh one to bring theatre to the people instead of expecting people to go to, to the, the theatre. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's not in the West End. Mm, that's why yeah. it exists in an area like Hackney. Was to make sure that this thing, this this nexus for ideas and experimentation was accessible. Wow. So it's been doing that. It just so happened that when it was reopened in nineteen eighty five by Roland and Claire Muldoon and that company of people they understood the importance of equity and diversity. I hate diversity as a word now because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's so loaded. But they did diversity not to tick boxes but to on make, a funding yeah. application because that wasn't a yeah. priority for anybody then. But because they understood the landscape that Hackney Empire sat in, yeah. 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 The, the, um, the ecology of the people and communities around that. And they wanted it to be owned by mm-hmm. its people. Yeah. Creatively yeah, and yeah. managemently, everything just going yeah. on so by, when by I, the people. Right? I, you know, and I also I came just want to say, when, when we did the Guinness World Record, Hackney Empire, they were the first and only venue to offer the space at no cost. But that that's its ethos then, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Like Imagine that. What was needed, there's, there's no cost on that. It's like, for me, like healthcare, there should be no cost on that. Mm-hmm. Every, anywhere, anywhere. Like the budget should always be in place for healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, or food or water or schooling. It's the same with that. Like there should be certain things that come under a quota where it's like the world needs to hear this. Yeah. People need to see this or they're being deprived of this. Yeah. So why are we putting money on it? That's like a constant. You know, and I think that's the it. fact that Hackney Empire came back with 
of we don't want to charge you money. This is something that we've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that mental health there. Um, but Hackney Empire caught me when I was 18. It was my safety yeah, so, net. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I can't take credit for it having this incredibly... Um, this incredible representation in all parts mm-hmm. of the organisation, including what's on stage. But it's all of our jobs. I'm just a custodian at this point in time. Hackney Empire is not mine. I just have to make sure that it's not only available, but ambitious yep. and an incredible resource for his community into the future. Yep. Yeah, but I think your passion of consistently pushing out events like Alter Ego, getting these big headliners to mm. come down and really engage with the young people. I remember I found Shifa K, who's an incredible poet. Shut up, Shifa. Yeah. You need to get her yeah. in this. I want to do an episode with all, all poets on here as well, because yeah. I think that energy Wild. will be crazy. And um, I remember I met Shifa K at Hackney Empire. She got on stage and she drops this one line of talking about Love Island, but how are you finding love on an island? And it just hit me so hard. And then from there, she ended up supporting my Jazz Cap show. Yeah, I remember that was beautiful. Yeah, it was. That it was, was beautiful. And my audience had never seen someone like Shifa K. Mm-hmm. Not only that, forget that I had never seen someone like Shifa yeah. K. This young. What, what, do you what, know the maddest like, bit? When Shifa came to Hackney Empire, she auditioned for a show around. But yeah, how do you get? How do you get someone young through your door? Well, that's that's the entire approach. That's how you talk about arts and culture as a thing. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we talk about it in our circles, Jack. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm saying yeah, our yeah, circles yeah. here. As this incredible highbrow, um, middle class, yeah, bougie yeah, yeah. concept. But arts and culture, there's this, there's this crazy... I went to this meeting. I'm not going to say who it was with because I'm not going to mm. hurt anybody up. But they said they gave this incredible statistic saying something like 35% of Londoners aren't involved in arts and culture whatsoever. And when you hear that, you go, fucking hell, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. But you telling me that that 35% of people don't listen to any music. Listen, they don't watch any TV. I was TV. just about to say that, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I think yeah. you'll find they actually are of more course. involved than you ever realised. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Going but, to the cinema. But our circle, our, this very niche little mm. special group, yeah. doesn't classify what they interact with as arts and culture. Uh, that's nonsense. Yeah. But people play also games. You know what I mean? The Pokemon stuff on their phones. And, 100%. And is, is yeah. that, that's art and culture. Yeah. Someone sat and designed those 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 yeah. characters and, and put that together and coded it. Like, I think, I don't think people really know the full extent of art and culture. When that Pokemon Go game came out, yeah. we had people, because Hackney Empire became one of them stop, I don't know. The main spots. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were coming and healing their thing or whatever it was. <laughs> trying, to, trying to find a Pikachu. Trust me. But yeah. you know what? Some of them actually turned into customers. Some wow. of them who actually, you know, they were just wandering around. So it feeds into itself, right? Yeah. That's, this and, is the stretch. And but did they, did they purposely plant those feeding stations at the Hackney Empire so it brought young people to the theatre? Oh, maybe. We don't know. But maybe the same that we should be thinking about in terms of how to geotag things that bring yeah. people about to be in the wow. environment to see things. But that's, I just come up with that now in my head. because yeah, that's, that's, that's all about genius. diversifying. You're talking about how do you get young people into theatre. It's about how, what does that offer look like? Yeah. Usual and mediums. at the minute, the yeah. offer all looks the same. Yeah. So it's the same type of people who go into it. Yeah, mm. the reason why I asked this is because I'm a big fan of art and culture. I'm a big yeah. fan of drama and theatre. Yeah acting and everything and I genuinely believe when I was growing up I believe my generation I'm 28 now was the best of the last I shall say in terms of the quality of childhood we had Mm. we was outside in the fields we was hopping fences making camps we was building building forts we was exactly we was breaking the fourth wall we was building fire hydrants (laughs) 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 but but listen but we're breaking the fourth wall and we're finding expression yeah 
we're not mm. we're not growing up on social media. We're not exploring on the explore page. Yeah. And I genuinely believe the art and the arts and culture helps it helps your mental health massively. It aids yep. you in so many ways. And Jack, I want to talk to you now. Mm. Like you mentioned earlier, your uncle suffers from mental health yep. issues. He came to the world record attempt that yep. we did yep. where we was trying to educate and engage people. When did your introduction come into the world of acting? Mm. And then when did you see this is actually helping your mm. mental health? Well, I think that like all of us have our stories. Do you know what I mean? And, and when I came into acting, it was when I was 12. Because, you know, like home life for me then wasn't easy. Like I didn't want to go back. So mm -hmm. whatever would keep me at school or out of the house would was the best thing for me. So like I was doing drama, so you rehearse late and then I was an army cadet. So I'd sometimes leave there and go army cadets and train there. It was just something that distracted me. Yeah. But art for me was like, I wanted to talk to people about what I was upset about, but I didn't want them to know I was going through that. So mm -hmm. they didn't judge me. So then when I was doing performing, it was like, I can just get it out this way and no, no one know that's my issues sort of thing. So for me, almost immediately, I realized that it was a release that I needed because it was just saying, I was too mm -hmm. young to like find it. It just kind of came to me. Where'd you go? Uh, Poplar, East London. Oh, wow. At school in the Isle of Dogs. George Green. I told you I want that property. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I want that but, property. But you know, it was just, it was one of them. So for me, it was like, yeah, young. It was just in school. I was never, it wasn't, it wasn't the lead yeah. in the shows, but I was in it, you know, yeah. wanted one of the T-Birds, even though I couldn't sing well, I would still just try my best. Yeah. But that was a form of releasing that little bit of energy and in some way. What part of, the exercising of acting do you enjoy the most? I mean, for me, I, I, I didn't really like the theory side of it when I was younger. Yeah. But as I've grown older, I've found what's important about that because it brings the, the nutrients and the minerals for the actual performance. Yeah. But for me, it was the, the releasing, like the being in a full heated emotional or a heroic moment within a play. Yeah. That, that release was like euphoric, I suppose, like coming off stage after 1,500 people screaming at you and yeah. you're giving them something and you're on this kind of weird high. That high uh, is what I think is, it made me feel safe and excited. That's beautiful. In a, in a way. When and I can be life-changing. Well, I mean, 10 years, 15 years on, I'm still doing what yeah. I love. And, and not only for you, but that. how does your uncle feel when he now sees it? Because you live with your yeah, uncle, Yeah, right? yeah, he lives with me now. So my grandpa passed in 2016, Very and you know, it was either him oh, to life. You know, you have to yeah. find, find a way to move forward always. Um, but it was either he goes to the street or he moved in with me, and there's just something in my heart that couldn't allow that. Mm -hmm. But... To be honest with you, I used to find him quite annoying and difficult before I understood. Yep. And when I actually found a way to communicate with him, because he would get very flustered or um, anxious, and then with that, his speech impediment would come about. So he then get frustrated with himself and turn to anger. So mm -hmm. actually, it was this kind of cycle of he can't get out of this unless you give him the space to get out of it. So it was me like calming him down, asking him a question, and I'd be like, you ain't got to answer right now. Just come back to me in five minutes. And he'll come mm -hmm. back and have a full sentence, a full conversation. Yeah, but wow. in the moment of asking or me asking him, it's uh, duh, uh, duh, duh, very like di difficult. I'm like, and it was anxiety starts to build in the room because you're mm -hmm. almost like, you're wasting my time. Like I've got to go. But then, really and truly, it's the, the full experience that I had with being around someone that just just doesn't have the ability wow. to do how, how you do it. So for me, living with him at first was difficult, difficult, and I felt like it was a chore. But in fact. It fed my creativity. It fed mm -hmm. my understanding. It fed my ability to be compassionate even more. And your empathy. And my empathy within yeah. the work that I started to do and within the way I would interact with other people. It just opened my mind. It was a forced thing, that, that yeah. almost a pressure cooker that brought out the better version of yeah. the scenario than the worst. You know, mm. So in a way, it was 
Um, but that's something you've worked on. Yeah, I had. Yeah, there was a part of my soul because of the love for my nan. <laughs> it was like yeah. you got to get through this. You got to find because you can do it. Like two minutes of effort for me takes doesn't take much, but two minutes of effort from him is a completely different story. So me applying those two minutes to helping someone mm-hmm. was so much more effective and goes so much further than leaving someone that just can't redo it to do it themselves. That that's a beautiful thing, you know. And um. I was, I was searching online, and this question for both of you, really. I was searching online, and it basically... I found an article online that said um, actors are more, more likely to suffer from depression yeah. than more people... than the general public. Yeah. Mainly because of job insecurity, yeah. performance anxiety, yeah. what to do when you're not working, mm-hmm. um, getting an audition. You wait all this time to get an audition, mm-hmm. and then you get told no, or yeah. you don't really get told no, you just don't get told anything. Yeah. Or you shoot something and you don't know when it's coming out, and then or it gets cut. Exactly, (laughs) there's so many ways in which this story can go. It's never straightforward. So, what self care tips do you apply to yourself, and what self care tips? Because you, I mean, I've been in Hackney Empire. Yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time there. You just need to stand there for a day to see the amount of people with ambition that are flying through the door. Yeah, what do you do, and what do you say to them people to help them manage their mental health better? So whoever wants to go first. Uh, just a little quick something. I think that one thing I've kind of learned is that remaining confident in the quiet times is key. So like it's not by not waiting and doing nothing in the quiet times. It's waiting and doing something, working on yourself, working on your craft. And is what happens. The time you're busy goes by quicker than you realize mm-hmm. and you're on to the next stage of what you should be doing. Same with like when you get a victory, you get win one job. You can't be celebrating that one job. Mm. Because once you celebrate the one job you just got on that moment, the energy that got you the job that meant to go somewhere else, you miss it by partying and celebrating. So like mm-hmm. small victories, you know, don't celebrate the ultimate goal, you know, like yeah. being an Olympian, like you know you're aiming for the full fear. Yeah. You're not aiming for this, the world championships or regionals, you want to go to Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I think if the mindset of what, if, if the real reason as to why anyone's doing it in industry is because they love it, they want to explore art, conversation, difference and bring it together and inform or educate, like, you won't, the insecurities don't really seep in because you're constantly building towards something. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, a shift drop. It's not you know? a sprint. It's not a sprint. Yeah. You're, it's a constant, it, you have to constantly moving towards whatever it is because stories constantly grow. Your day changes. Your day should inspire you. Your interactions, your conversations, your mistakes, you know, all of those things. So it's remaining confident in why you're doing what you're doing in the quiet times that allow you to be confident always. And that's something that I've had to find because I think actors think that or anyone thinks the industry is this thing, you step into it, because you're stepping into it, it happens for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it's the complete opposite. It's one of the toughest industries in the world. You know, you can get a degree, but you may never work. Yeah, it's true. But it's still about finding what it is creatively you want to express and put across there while you're being an artist in that way. And, and reminding yourself of that. Right? You know, 100%. You, and I think that could be in poetry, in music, mm. in art acting, in it's very artistic directing, like, however it may be, like... It's about just constantly growing within that realm mm-hmm. and moving forward. So I would say, you know, remain confident in the quiet times by doing what you love and makes you grow. So time doesn't seem like a thing waiting around. You know? wow. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, <laughs> for me, it boils down to education. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to make our, particularly our young artists, but all artists more resilient to the realities of the yes. sector. Mm-hmm. And yes. how do you do that? Though? Well, you have to set them up with realistic expectations early. I think a lot of people, particularly young people, you go from secondary school or college or whatever and, and into drama academies or wherever you go, whatever your journey is, and you're set up with this unrealistic expectation of actually what is achievable and in what time frame that is achievable. But the only example they get is the star. Of course. Which is A-list. So of in, course. in the idea is that there is a whole journey 
uh, of levels of success or stardom or whatever it and may be. Dem- and demons and, and trials demons, and tribulations, yeah. yeah. But, but then, nobody talks about that. No. Yeah. Nobody talks so, about that, particularly with an educational So thing. what does it look like, right? So I'm a young person. I've come to Hackney Empire. I'm now involved in a programme. I've got a mentor. So or, or how, how, how does it work? Like where, where, in, where in the programme do you begin to inject the realities? From the first meeting. From the first meeting, you don't without, without like damaging their ambition. There's a difference between being ambitious and dreaming unrealistically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know that in areas like Hackney and areas like Tottenham, where I come from, you're less likely to encounter the type of success that some of your peers are. Mm-hmm. You just are, depending on your background, your gender, your race, your culture. There, all these factors start to start to play mm-hmm. in that. And so really, our idea of success in terms of working with young people specifically is trying to equip them with as much information and widen and broaden their perspective on what the industry can do for them and what they can do for the industry to the extent where they can gig, at least. Yeah, and they become self-sustainable. Well, you can... Listen, being self-sustainable in the arts and culture (laughs) industries is a whole different conversation. But, you know, if you are not, you know, the lead in a play or in a TV show or whatever that you can gig around and hopefully we can help you pay your bills. Yeah. Hopefully we can help you pay your rent and, and put food on the table. Yeah. And and I think with that is really defining what success is, right? Because 100%. I think a lot of people com- compare success, but <clears throat> if we wake up every day and we can eat, live where we are, do what we love doing, right? If, that, if you are doing that and then you are growing and adding to yourself, naturally what you're doing will become really good work. Absolutely. And that really good work will then bring you on to what you see these A-listers or however it may be, easy reference point of what that is. And it comes from hard work, determination. And most people you see in those positions, some of the nicest people I've ever met. And it's because they really do love what they do and what yeah. they're doing. And it has come through years of dedication. And you know, they've done some little things like Bruno Mars, for example. The guy was writing songs for everyone else for so, 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 so long, you know? And the one I song, didn't even know that. yeah, for so so long, he was here in London recording, wow. and the billionaire song he wrote with Travis McCoy, yeah, it was him just really wishing, and it, the one thing that was really mm. wanted, he wrote, and it became the hit that allowed yep. him to be known. So it's like bearing your soul, being truthful, yep. like it's so hard to like bear your your flaws and like be open about them. So when you do find people that actually do it, they're the most endearing, the most intriguing because they're connecting with something real with you, and that's when you get those people. But it comes from the quiet time the hard work not doing it to be there because that is doing it for that and that's where social media is super problematic yes particularly in industries like this where you only see the highlights Mm -hmm. yes pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, we, talk, we, t- we spoke about this in episode one with regards to vulnerability and the beauty of being vulnerable. We didn't actually touch upon the pressures and social effects and psychological effects of social media. So that's really interesting because I have a time limit on my phone of one hour per app. And I think that's too long. So like one, as soon as an hour's up on Instagram, it's closed for 24 hours. As soon as it's up for Twitter, it's closed. Everything, WhatsApp included, is just done. Because I believe 
that is still a long amount of time to be looking at a screen. But not only are you just looking at a screen, you begin to compare yourself. You begin to affect your own self-esteem because all of a sudden, Jack's doing amazing things and I'm still in bed. Or Yamin's yeah, doing yeah, this yeah, yeah, mad yeah. crazy auditions and <laughs> I, I haven't even brushed my teeth today. Mm. And all of that is really problematic. But I wanted to touch upon both of you are very successful in what you do. And one thing I know from both of you, you work all the time. Mm. You, you work very, very hard. How do you find a work-life balance for your own mental health? And how do you keep that at ease as well and remind yourself that you aren't just an actor or yeah. an artistic director, but you're also a partner, a friend, a brother? I don't have a healthy work-life work really? balance. No. no, I appreciate the honesty. I, I really don't. Um, I see him in Hackney Empire late. And like, I went to watch a show. Um, I went to watch The Pantomime, and The Pantomime there is incredible. And um, I was like, oh, you enjoyed the show? He's like... I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, see you in a bit. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to do it any different. And I'm, this is this is very much a case of do as I say, not as I do. In order for me to break through the sector, I had to grind and I had to hustle every given opportunity. And more time than anyone else is doing, right? Yeah, I, I had to do twice the work to get half the recognition. Yes. that was my kind of burden, and it's very isolating and it's very. Um, difficult at times and I guess earlier in my career these weren't conversations that were being commonly had about no. well-being and, and mental health it, right? yeah, you just, well, isolation how do you deal with that it, well the, arts is a different thing because on your own you're surrounded by people yes all the time yes I agree so, so much you're so that. you're kind of on this island and you're just doing your thing it's but island. you don't feel alone mm. because you've got all these people around but you but then when this director's rap and it's cut we're done last show finished everyone go their own way how do you handle that but this I think this is where people need to like zoom out and like once you zoom out you, you look at the bigger picture and you, you have to go this was a time period that I got to do this mm. what have I got from this now let's go on to the next thing and next thing be it your next day even okay let me do something different for the next two days let's go running and do this have dinner with my grandma or whatever so you just kind of find yourself tuning back yeah. into the day because that is a set it's a compartmentalizing it like yeah. you have to be emotionally intelligent to like somewhat even be in the, the arts can I ask you a question yeah it's a bit personal you don't need to no, answer on, yeah. have you ever been therapy no because what you're talking about is what I learned at therapy. Um, I went to cognitive behavioral therapy, oh, right. and it was all about being able to compartmentalize. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's very interesting because it's all about being able to comp compartmentalize your yeah. thoughts, seize control of your emotions, and, right? Yeah, and not let. For example, if I have a bad audition or a play didn't go the way it goes, mm -hmm. to affect my situation at home. Yes, my situation at home is completely different yes. to my my car needing a new tire. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I feel like for me, I was in a downward spiral because I would link everything to each mm -hmm. other and I had to learn yeah. to, to separate them. But when we're emotional. We are constantly emotional. We, I could do one scene here and then, for example, I could be in a, a raging moment and something goes wrong and it has to stop the scene. And you're like, that was the, that was the take though. Mm -hmm. If I don't go get a grip of your emotions and start again, I, but if I let my emotions go wild where they already are wiry and so on, mm -hmm. anything could come of that and then it could be very damaging. Yeah. You know? do, do you have a healthy work-life balance? I think that like... Um, Boy, no, you don't. You call me in the middle of the night with your ideas. Why are you lying? <laughs> well, that's because I'm passionate. You know what I mean? I love it. And if the idea comes, you have to... I believe if you get a thought or a moment, it's not you, it's universe giving it to you, you know, in, mm. in a weird way. And you have to act on it. There's times where I've got these thoughts 
and I'm not acting on it, and then in the morning it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And I am, I agree. for a week, I'm like, I can feel yeah, it. Yeah. I just don't know what it was. So now I've started to, did that come time though? Over time, I started to realize what was necessary, what was needed, you know? Mm-hmm. But I didn't go on a, like a lad's boy's holiday until I was 28. 2019 wow, for last year because I worked wow. in Sainsbury's night shift at Abercrombie working uh, PAing just because I knew what I had to do to keep going in the early years so I had some money just to audition you know, wow. I didn't have that privilege oh yeah mum dad that's the have... thing about work-life balance especially early how can we really talk to people about work-life balance when really what we're saying is your auditions aren't paying you Mm. The, the first 10 auditions you'll be lucky if you land one out of the first 25 mm. you're lucky mm. yeah yeah so what we're saying is do sainsbury's yeah yeah i did sainsbury's don't hit baker do stack shows i was in baron john and seats but doesn't that make all of us who we are though like how can i possibly play someone who's worked in a supermarket i've never had the experience how can i be a medic if i've never been a first aider? i don't agree with that no but but you you should want to explore that 100 percent. you should want it shouldn't be that's not good enough for me let me try that that's our perspective on what well, I think if you look at the sector, mm. you see a lot of people who can afford not to get paid. Word. No, you're right. Yeah. You can afford not to get paid, but yes. also you can afford not to necessarily see direct, um, tangible career yes. progression mm. for a certain amount of time. You can just sit still and, let, and explore your opportunities yes. and, and then let things land. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. do that for a few years. Yeah. And you've got people, a network and finance to support yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And that. And what that's prohibitive to most people. So why is it our backgrounds, and I might, I might be generalising all of us here, yeah. but why is it our backgrounds do not see the arts and culture sector of society as a viable time. career path? Why because it's not, because realistically not, it's not a viable career path. No, it's not. Yeah. You don't go, you don't, you're not guaranteed Ain't that a wage the realest the truth of the day? It's not viable. <laughs> it's true. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just not. It's something that is so, an anomaly. So I is, think. is our, 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 our families yeah. being like, you know what? We don't want you to go through the depression of that. We've seen what it's done to people. Yeah. Look at what it's done to your favorite actor. Look at what. Yeah. It's, so we're trying to save. Also, you from who's going to pay for your meal next week? Mm. You know, when if something goes wrong with mom and dad, and you're still yeah. doing this, like. Well, this is another interesting thing here because I have found recently one conversation that's never had by anyone is money well-being. Yes, and you know what? I think this is so important for the industry to have some kind of introduction. This we were talking about it with Mockdown Media, like what we would like to do in terms of progressively bring people to a different space and different understanding and that would be that how to manage your money like yeah. how for me for example i lived up i saved the sainsbury's money night shift mm-hmm. 10 hours and i'll go to abercrombie i'll leave it at six get there for eight to 12 and i'll live off that money mm-hmm. so i live off the abercrombie money but i saved. But where the did sainsbury's. you learn that i just army cadets i was an army cadet and army cadets. that army cadets taught oh. me structure and discipline yeah. and there's no iron team and it's always us and if you're strong as your slowest man and all these mm-hmm. things here so that was like okay cool i've got a mission to do i need to save that quest the majority but i need to live minimally off that and that was my plan yeah um i'm the opposite i'm terrible <laughs> really i am oh i can be why yeah. why 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 i was never trained or taught and nor do i come from a place in the world where money has more value than the materials you can buy with the money. Mm, so yeah. the, the money is as valuable as what as I can purchase and what I can show up with. Yeah. And that is deeply ingrained in my DNA mm-hmm. because of, particularly I think growing up with not a lot, less than not mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. As soon as I started making money, I wanted to have what I saw everybody else with. But see, I was like, I've not had money. I don't want to lose it. Yeah, so yeah, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to well, spend it. You know it. what? Yeah, my, I'm a bit different. I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm a bit like you as well. But I had this conversation with my dad the other day, and I was trying to figure out like, because my dad's a trained actor. Yeah, he he he's a went drama school, everything. But he's very supportive of what I do. So now, towards the later stages where he sees things happening, he's he's more inclined to push me. At the start, it was very difficult. I said to him the other day, I was walking up the stairs. I got in at two o'clock from a writing session. I admit it sounds way more glamorous than it is. I was writing in my shed. <laughs> and it's was, a nice shed I was, though. Yeah, <laughs> I was writing in my shed and I was going to sleep. And I walked past his bedroom, I see he's still awake. So I'm like, you know what? Let me say something to him. I put my head in and I go, I work hard, you know, dad. And you never say it to me. And he looks at me and he goes, I work harder than you. And I don't go to the mountains to find myself when shit gets rough either. <laughs> That's so real. God, I did, I did, God, I was just like... Oh, okay, shit. I'm gonna take that. And I took that and then I turned away and I looked at my iPhone calendar and it said Brecken Beacons this week. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, I was like, my dad's generation, yeah. they didn't have these yeah. like luxuries no. of being able to be like, yo, Yamin, how's your mental health? Yeah. Do you need to go to a yeah. spa? Like, do you need, a, this, do you need a couple yeah, hours? Yeah. But this like, feeds back into what you were saying earlier when you said, why do people of our background not see art? Or see the mm. because we didn't have time. They didn't. Have there was the no time. time in the day to. Yeah. It was like you had to work. And you had children. You had to live. You had to pay your bills. You had to do what. Yeah. In fact, if you go tribal, everyone in every tribe way back when was busy within the tribe doing mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, peeling fruit, cook, dealing yeah, with yeah, yeah. Uh, materials, whatever it was. So ev now it's just become to a place where we've got a lot of luxury of time. Yeah. And I think it's good that we have obviously art informing and stuff. But people from our backgrounds won't wouldn't have been as exposed to those things is because there just wasn't time. There wasn't a lot because of there was there was and kind of oppressed by the environment. I, I, I definitely yeah. do believe a lot more time creates space for a lot more opportunity. And when I look at a lot of like my dad was in some incredible things. He was in a, the Catherine Tate show. Nice. He did the BP petrol advert. He delivered Tiffany. You better get him on the show. Yeah, about. he delivered Tiffany's baby in EastEnders. But all as <laughs> like an, as an extra, what they call like, he delivered Tiffany's baby. baby. You know, listen, <laughs> back in the day, yeah, you know, that was a big thing. You know what I grew up with? You know what we grew up in my house? Pause the TV because dad's going to be here any second and we're pausing it. And that's what we grew up watching. And it was fascinating to see this man who like part time sells samosa and kebabs. We have the best samosa in the world, by the way. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's on TV and he was always and only a supporting artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he never had them opportunities. And not many Pakistani actors did. No. Only more recently are we seeing people come through. And, yeah, and, and, so and yeah, exactly. And, do, and doing things. So, um. It's, it's very interesting. But, but it's also interesting what you said about your dad earlier when he, when he came for you about uh, going off to the mountains to relax. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was younger and I've, like, I didn't know my dad until I was 12, but when I first ever got in his car, he used to be a like, semi-pro footballer, but he came from the same background as me, but really worked hard to get away from it. And he had this like 307 Peugeot, yeah? And I remember getting in there, it smelled nice. And I was like, oh, it smells really nice, dad. It's the like, second time I'm really meeting him. I mean, you know what that is, son? I went, what, he went hard work. Mm. And I was like, oh, he went, yeah. You want nice things, you have to work hard for them. Yeah, you do have to work Don't get hard. it confused. And, that's and I was like, that's, I'm 28. I was 12. Never left. I think I've told that every day yeah. to someone mm. I think is worthy of hearing. But you know, just quickly, going, going that. back to that work-life no, okay. balance thing, I work extremely hard mm -hmm. because I'm addicted to financial gain. I just am. That's so, I can that's never so honest go, of you to say that. I can never go back to being poor. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a position I'll yeah, put myself yeah. in. But... So I have money, but I don't necessarily have time to enjoy the money that I have. 
Because you still want to. Yeah. So the quick fixes, go and ASOS for a minute. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Go, go, go well, did, and do so something nice. Retail out therapy is a real thing. Apparently. It does make you happy. I mean, because... Yeah, but it's not therapy. Don't... Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, like the candy thing. version of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a drug. It's an addiction. It's like social media. Yeah, it's you, the shallow get, end you, of yeah, it. You, yeah, you dip your toe in. You get that rush of endorphins in your system. Mm. You come out. You If you can't afford it, you have remorse. You feel worse afterwards. But the cycle continues. And then Instagram comes in and you see your bedroom and he's working some nice, some nice mm-hmm. things. And yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah, so I need to show out the yeah, next time yeah. I go out. I almost think having more money uh, brings about... More um, problems? More, yes, this is, I mean, it's there forever. But like, when you, I suppose if you're in a position with more money and your, your need for art or, or job or career or family isn't as strong as the need to, to have been rich or whatever, I think you find the bigger problems because people have nothing to do. The the, mm. the 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 drop from the adrenaline or the endorphins of where you have your first million pounds from mm. your movie or whatever scene it may be, oh my god, it's here, and you think there's a way to live with it yeah. or there's stuff you should be doing because it's there. But in yeah. fact, you can you can have as much money as you want, but after yeah. a certain time, the threshold, you could have bought certain things, but you've gone past the human understanding of what that experience is yeah. to go through, and actually, you end up going to some stupid ends of life because you have so much money, nothing to do with it. And and you've got kind of fallen into this world where what's really important doesn't exist anymore because yeah. you don't have to worry. You know, the need to like keep life going forward kind of goes away. So it's interesting. I think there's few people in the world that you can come across that money yeah. doesn't mean nothing, and they're no, still incredible uh, people within their within their field. But money can. I think too much money for anyone can be a self destructive no, thing. No, hundred percent. I do agree with you. I would like to ask you guys a question. Um, what can we do as a society? to encourage more work and more things to be done within the artistic space for young people. Because it's clear, it's an undeniable fact, mental health is aided and healed through the arts. Like, it is, it might not solve all your problems, but it will definitely teach you how to manage some. Mm. Through escapism, therapy. Informing. Exactly, yeah. all of that learning, storytelling. So what can we as a society do more to encourage more people to to get into the arts at a time where funding I mean I don't know a lot about funding but I'm always hearing arts funding is getting cut yeah but this all goes back to reframing what the whole thing means in the first place so if you arts and culture again it's this term that we just use but if we just look at storytelling in the most basic way mm. all right storytelling a good story it has a point it has a purpose you don't tell the story for the sake of telling it you tell it to communicate some kind of information, yeah. whether that be a moral story or some kind of journey story, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And at that point, when does what what blurs the line between theatre and the news? Mm-hmm. When you're trying to capture information and spread information as a resource, particularly those that don't have access to it, what is the difference? The stories that I have have a purpose. So I won't put on shows at Hackney Empire because just because I feel like it's a good show. Mm-hmm. I need to know what are the objectives and these are not secondary objectives these are primary objectives what are the purposes of these stories that we're trying to tell and why are we trying to tell them and who are we trying to tell them to yeah. and the issue with our young people particularly in areas that it sounds like we all come from is that they have no exposure to this level of access mm-hmm. they have no opportunity one to be told stories yeah. but two to tell their stories Yeah. and so what we have to do is really rethink the intrinsic value of access to this level of opportunity just in terms of opening oneself up 
to being um, sympathetic to outside viewpoints and opinions mm-hmm. and perspectives. Somebody said something really interesting to me the other day where an opposing viewpoint is no longer interesting, it's offensive. Wow, ain't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. yeah? And, and so all of these issues that we're seeing in mm-hmm. front of us, you know, however you feel politically with what's going on right now, can all be boiled down to the fact that there's no openness in communication yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we want to change that, let's look at education, let's look yeah. at reforming these systems. Why did you not like drama? You just said the theory side of it. Mm. What the fuck is the point in the theory side of drama so early on? Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. just off-putting. Let's yeah. just look mm-hmm. at storytelling and expose yeah. ourselves yeah. more well, ideas. Wait, he said something really interesting, and I think me and you are a great testament of this. Yeah. Me and Jack have very blunt open honest conversations Mm. so like he lives in a predominantly bengali area that has a lot of bengalis and a lot of white people from completely different cultures they don't really ever clash they never really ever clash but we do sit in your house and we have blunt honest conversations about why members of this community does this or this does that and why should that be okay if but if the point of view is different, then surely you should understand how that comes across and why that does cause continued effort. Okay. But problems. not everyone's like that. No. And that's what you just said. But people take offense, but that's a whole nother yeah, conversation. That's a whole other thing. But I'm saying we, in our relationship as friends, we've found that place where we can speak bluntly and it's not a white person saying it to someone else yeah, yeah, or exactly. vice versa. It, it's just two people discussing the difference that causes the, the misunderstandings or the problems we may face in, yeah. in a very and mixed that's why I think And that's why I think real like I hate the word influencers but yeah. I feel like real influencers should be discussing them type of things yes. um, alright Jack yes. tell us about Syndrome okay so Syndrome is a play uh, that's going to be on at Tristan Bates Theatre Covent Garden from yep. the 18th to the 29th of February and it follows first uh, four soldiers in the first Gulf War in 91 yep and I just um, want to say you're losing yeah. your director's virginity here I am yep. yeah I'm popping that cherry wow <laughs> you ain't never heard terminology like that before but have you I am ready to uh, pop the cork in it and show people this story and it's it follows that the soldiers in act one in Iraq discussing mm-hmm. why they're there what's going on um, and five years later you see the kind of where the characters are after what may have occurred. And it's called Syndrome because over 500,000 men, American and British, had come back from Iraq after six weeks with syndromes that weren't just PTSD and that were put off as that. Mm -hmm. Um, They were memory loss, muscle deterioration and burning semen, which means, you know, it's a very difficult life going forward, but they weren't recognised. So I think this play has come around in, in a timely uh, time, as it were, to kind of highlight what happens when we go to war and we don't need that anymore. 100%. And also, in turn, to kind of just give some recognition to these people, I think, that feel a little bit forgotten, you know? Amazing. And tickets are on sale right now. Tickets are on sale right I'll now. I'll be hosting a special question and answer session now yes, on, you will. Friday, uh, on the 18th on the of 18th, February. Yeah. On the 18th of February. I can't wait to have you there, bro. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm really excited to see what you've brought to life. I can't and wait either. Yamin, what is going on in your world? And I understand auditions are now open for Alter Ego. Auditions are filled up for Alter Ego. They're filled auditions already. are on the 25th. Show is on February 21st at Hackney Empire. Um, if you want to come and see an Edwardian theatre getting taken over by... One and a half thousand 14 to 18 year olds from East London celebrating Graham and Afrobeat underground. <laughs> the cream of the crop, the capitals hey. underground. Come down to Uruguay on February 21st. Otherwise, check out hackneyempire.co.uk. It is your theatre, not mine. Think globally, act globally. Come on. I'll be there. Yes, and yeah. that was episode two of the I Am Whole podcast with your boy. Listen, we need to get some Westwood horns up in this. <laughs> I feel like that. We need is, a sample. And, uh, we do, we do. <laughs> and, and I definitely think, yeah, Yamin needs his own podcast. Huh? 
I definitely think that. Do you know why I can't? Because I, I, I what, feel why itchy already. Like, <laughs> I can feel my leg is about to start tapping. Yeah, but I you know what? I want to run out of here. I actually think you're quite a good voice to listen to. 100%. Oh, do you? God bless yeah. you guys. I enjoyed it's it. really nice. Oh, he's, he, you need to learn how to take a compliment. I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm taking if, my headphones off. Now. If your boy Hussein Manawa, the original mummy's boy, Ilford's finest. And that is the end of episode two of the Whole Truth Podcast. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.